once we started doing the podcast, I was like, mm, I don't, I don't care about this. I don't care about hard economic data pertaining to the thing that we talk about an hour every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Cares about that stuff. We're here to talk about our feelings. Yes. Anecdotal evidence. I'm a special snowflake. Howdy, everyone. This is Thursday, April 27th, 2017, and this is episode 43 of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz podcast. I'm Kyle Askin, joined, as always, by Craig Stone. What's good, Craig? Happy to be here. We have tons of stuff to talk about. You're trying to rush me into the news, man, and that's not what I'm about. <laughs> you, uh, have, you have distractions first. Yeah. No, I'm actually going to talk about uh, the most important news item on here. I think you're trying to bury the lead but we can kind of jump right into some new stuff. I'd say the single most important story that's come out in the last three weeks since we've done a, another news episode, I guess, since our last episode was the interview with um, the AC Fan Expo guys. Sean or, Smith. Yeah, with Sean from AC Fan Expo. Total Rewards came out, and I believe for the first time ever, or the first time at least that I can remember, they are actually tier matching the other casinos in Atlantic City, as well as Sugar House Parks, Valley Forge, Empire City, and Resorts World. So basically any other casino that's remotely local uh, to Pennsylvania, no Maryland. New York. Not Maryland. Pennsylvania, New York. Not Delaware or Maryland. So they are actually tier matching up to Diamond. Um... This is pretty crazy, right? Because this is something that Total Rewards has absolutely never done. Yeah, and my my sort of feeling about this has always been that they feel like, well, we've got the most casinos, so if you have Total Rewards status, like you should go to all our casinos to get status. Mm-hmm. Like we've got a ton, right? Earn tier credits at a bunch of different places. Don't be going to parks and resorts world. Uh, so it is kind of interesting, but. It does play into my theory that they are trying to usher as many people to Diamond as possible. Yeah, I mean, it seems that way. It, it's 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 going to be a lot of people, I would think, that this is going to give Diamond to. Yeah, way, uh, way more than who used Founders Card. Way more, I would think, because there's a ton of people playing at, I mean, not just resorts and TROP and all those places that don't maybe don't play a ton at Total Rewards, but all the people who play at New York casinos and at... Pennsylvania casinos. Yeah, who don't make that trip all that often. Like, if you're only going to Atlantic City a couple times a year, it's it's pretty hard for you to earn diamond if you're not a big player. If you can do it locally, and then all of a sudden you're diamond and you go two or three times a year and you're taking advantage of all the diamond perks, like, yeah, you're going to go upgrade. I I think a lot of people are going to take advantage of it. Um, So, uh, just, just for... To close the story on the news portion of this, uh, they this diamond card that you will get if you tier match from another casino is good in, through one thirty one eighteen, so it's not quite as long as their usual. I think usually when you get diamond, it, it goes for until the end of the year and then the entire next year. So this is a shorter time period for you to have diamond, but still, it's a pretty good deal for for nothing if you have a tier status somewhere else and. I mean, I think for me, the ridiculous thing is, is that, you know, there was one day in my entire life that I was a diamond level player. And that was in February of 2014, as we we looked it up this afternoon while we were talking on on Gchat. And basically because of that, I've had various premium cards at other casinos and I will, once again, it appears, be able to go back to Diamond and kind of start that process over again because I still have a gold card from, from Tropicana that I got because they matched my Diamond at, at Total Rewards. At the very end of your Diamond tenure. Yep. Actually, <laughs> yeah. actually, they, they it might not have been that. It might have been that they matched my Black Label card from Borgata, which they matched at the very end of my Diamond tenure. Yeah, so now you'll be able to go back to total rewards and get diamond and then i'll be able to go to borgata get black label which then will become uh whatever the mgm black black label equivalent is gold i think i think that i think pearl is the second one that's kind of like meaningless and then gold is the actual one that you want because i i actually 
So I actually got Pearl just randomly from the last time we were in Vegas, I think, or maybe two times ago, just from playing nine, six jacks or better for, I mean, it was a couple days I was playing it, but I got Pearl on that trip and all then received zero comps because it is a well-known thing that MGM has hated or does hate and has always hated video poker players. So <laughs> I kind of bore it out, even though I got their second level of card in like two or three days, they gave me nothing else to go with it. Yeah, so Pearl is the second level, which actually does get you, for now, at least free parking in Vegas. Um, not waived resort fees, I don't think. Uh, but um, gold is the next status, and that's where you get you know, room right. upgrades and all that stuff. So it would be MF right. Gold. Which uh, is what our friend Andy got, right? Because he tier matched from something i think it was hilton h honors like if you signed up for that credit card it would get you status with it, i thought it was something hyatt or something but it maybe. might have been hyatt it was one it's something with an h some hotel uh <laughs> hyatt sounds right actually mm-hmm. um so yeah interesting stuff are you are you excited are you happy to be taking advantage of this <laughs> i'm super excited to be diamond again i think that's awesome so the weird thing is i i looked it up or when i saw this this came out today earlier today and I checked the website at Travel Canada to be like, I'm not sure if I'm still gold, but I'm pretty sure I am. And I checked and I confirmed, but I am. So I'm like, yes, I got it. So I, I went home and actually looked at my Travel Canada gold card. The weird thing is it does not have a date on it. So I'm wondering if uh, at Caesars they'll be like, hmm, that's kind of suspicious. <laughs> uh, because yeah. like what company doesn't have a date on their premium players cards? It's kind of weird. Yeah, that's a good point. But I mean, clearly they... I mean, they said they accept Tropicana, so if that's how it is, that's how it is. And right. I can always just go back before and get a new one and see if it has a date on it. And if not, be like, well, this is the newest version. So, Yeah, so if you have status somewhere and you want to get things like waived resort fees, free early check-in and late check-out, uh, diamond lounge access, cutting the line, um, restaurant and check-in access, uh, you can do all of those things by matching your tier status at Caesars. We've talked quite a bit about this with in uh, in regards to Founders Card and how you can sort of buy your way into Diamond, not just Founders Card, but then they did the the lapsed Diamond thing where you could sign up for the credit card and spend some amount of money in a few months and get. Um, I think a, a similar. It, it wasn't a full year plus of benefit. I think it was a similar time frame, like eight months or ten months. Um, somebody can correct me in the Facebook group if that's wrong. Uh, speaking of which, thanks to Eric for posting this in the Facebook group. Eric, who was on a couple episodes uh, and is sort of our comp guru, pointed this out. Uh, there was a little bit of outrage, I think, about people saying, hey, there are already a ton of Diamond members in AC. <laughs> What's the deal? And this is clearly targeted at AC because it's AC Pennsylvania and New York casinos. So are you... How do you feel about that? How do you feel about the outrage? Or are you just too excited to be able to take advantage that you uh, you don't care about that? <laughs> well, of course, I'm personally excited because, you know, it's cool that I get to be Diamond again. But, uh, I mean, I, you know, we, we've already had long discussions about this and about, like, is it really logical to be outraged over something like other people getting free resort fees or whatever? And, like, how much, honestly, do the lines really affect people? I don't know. I mean, they do, certainly, but, you know, I think me and you have both kind of come down on the side that the outrage may be misplaced, but it doesn't matter if it's misplaced or not. It it ends up being bad for Caesars. Right. Because people are <laughs> outraged, whether or not it's reasonable or logical. Yeah, I mean, and my my argument has always been that there are way more legitimate, quote-unquote, Diamond members who played their way to diamond in Atlantic city. Then there are people who backdoored their way in through, through founders card or even through the lapsed diamond promotion. Like the, the percentage yeah. is going to be way, way more people who just go often enough to get it. This is going to change that a little bit, but like if you're in a huge line for the diamond lounge, I would guess nine out of 10 people in that line. Like it's not, it's not the difference between there's no line and there's a huge line. It's, that it's a huge line or a slightly huger line. Like, I just don't think it makes that big a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting to me that they, you know, seem to be doing pretty well in Atlantic city, but are still 
doing everything they can to usher people into Diamond. And the temporary nature of this, and I think I said the same thing with the credit card, makes me think that they are saying, we want to give people a taste of the perks. We want to give people that free resort fees, lounge access, all that good stuff. And they will then decide, oh, I want to keep this, you know, and I want to keep doing this Diamond status thing. Although, if they keep making it so easy to do, <laughs> at some point you've got to talk about, you know, what's the trade-off. But uh, we'll, it's one of those things we can't really know until a year from now if they're still doing doing this. And they keep doing it in other ways, you know, like there's a credit card and now there's this. So there are probably people who have been able to sort of like back their, backdoor their, their way into Diamond multiple times through different venues. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting side of it, too. I'm sure someone's like just been diamond for 10 years without having set foot in a casino. <laughs> but or, I mean, obviously you would have set foot in casino to take advantage of the perks, but without having actually gambled very much at all. Well, yeah, I mean, certainly. Well, with founders card, certainly it's just easy to be diamond without doing anything. But, but again, I think that's a tiny portion of right. the diamond population in Atlantic city on any given day. So, so I think there's like two other pieces of news that this kind of brings up that I think we should talk about now. And just one thing is to mention that it has been kind of officially announced uh, by MGM on their earnings call that MLife will be coming to Borgata sometime this summer. And I know I mentioned that something you get with the Diamond Card is you can get tier matched into Black Label, which then will be converted, I believe, into MGM Gold. So I don't know if we have too much to say about this other than it is coming and it is happening this summer, which they were more specific than that. So do we have anything to talk about that? I think we've talked quite a bit about it and how people are generally not excited because it's another sign that MGM is kind of putting their hooks in the Borgata more and more. Yeah. Just two quick comments. First is uh Mark Meltzer of uh, his tw- Twitter is melts at melts Vegas, M E L T Z Vegas. And his website is edge Vegas. Uh, he's the person who posted this. He was just on the earnings call uh, tweeting out the tidbits information. The other thing I find very funny is, you know, a year or a year and a half ago when we were very much in the infancy of the podcast, uh, there were multiple people in our Facebook group who said, I would love if M Life came to Atlantic City because I would ditch total rewards so quickly to have another nationwide casino chain that I could play at in AC or and and get rewards at in AC that are usable throughout the country. And now it's just complete dread. Like it's just this right. sense of like, oh man, M Life, like I'm so not wanting to to join that or not wanting to deal with them because of the sign of MGM coming in and all the things they've done. And that's just such an interesting part of the profit growth plan that Vegas tripping covered to such detail. Because the earnings were great and the stock price is up. And as far as the sort of management of MGM, this is all very fantastic. As far as the actual gambler and player is concerned, this is all very shitty. So uh, maybe they're not that concerned with the gambler and player. They're going for all those other dollars. Or maybe this is the classic MBA agency problem where your managers are paid for short-term gains. Uh Regardless of long-term impact, I don't know. I guess time will play that out. But it is interesting how the reaction has just done a complete 180. Uh, whereas if this had been announced before Profit Growth Plan, everybody would be like, thank goodness, finally a national competitor for Total Rewards in Atlantic City. So I think it's kind of a weird, quick turnaround there. So I think the other thing I want to I want to bring up is why... TR is doing this, and I know that you said that it's just to get people kind of into the doors of Diamond, essentially, or maybe even more so to get them into the doors of the casino, maybe. But, uh, I mean, I think we should talk about the financial results a little bit. Um, do, do you think, I mean, for me, when something like this happens, it's like, is Caesars not doing well? Absolutely. I mean, you, I mean that's just it. Like, they're just not performing right that i mean if and, you without looking at the numbers that is what you'd think right and i think if you look at the numbers it's it's sort of backed up i mean we were looking at at this month's numbers which just came out uh, a couple weeks ago and the surprising thing to us is it, it seems like for 
you know, for the longest time, you know, Borgata has been the biggest in Atlantic City. And then number two has always been either or two and three have always been Caesars and Harrah's in some order. You know, they switch back and forth, but they've always been two and three. And like back when we first started tracking this ourselves, it, it was always I mean, Caesars, uh, Harrah's and Bally's were two, three and four a lot. And now it, it's that. Uh, Tropicana is the number two casino in Atlantic City at, at this point, or at least for, for last month, for March, um, with Caesars and Harrah's being behind that. And, you know, Bally's is just, like, frankly not doing especially well, I think. Yeah, and Bally's, like, barely holding on ahead of, of Golden Nugget and Resorts, which is insane. Right. Um, I mean, they finished this year. They were actually down um, 2% from March 2016, only uh, less than a million ahead of both Golden Nugget and Resorts, which were very, very close, uh, only $160,000 apart in gambling wins. So incredibly close for them. Uh, so we may not be that far off from a point where Bally's is the worst performing uh, casino in terms of gambling revenue in Atlantic City. And that's especially interesting because when I think of Bally's, uh, I don't think of other things that bring in a whole lot of money to Bally's. I mean, they have Wild Old West, which is a cheap beer bar that does free concerts. So I, I don't know how big of a revenue driver that is. And unfortunately, we can't get the data on that um, until there's some sort of – I mean, we won't get specific data on Wild Wild West, but uh, until there's some sort of bigger year-end or quarterly uh, earnings whatever report. But – just from month to month data, the, the idea that Bally's would fall behind resorts and Golden Nugget, which were way, way behind Bally's for the longest time, um, is pretty surprising to me. And we right. sort of talked about this idea that, oh, even though Bally's seems to be performing pretty well, they might be the one that closes just as being the third TR property, the third Caesars property. And mm. I mean, if they fall to last, like, does that hasten that? Do you worry about that at I mean, all, especially with Hard Rock opening? So, so it looks like recently, I mean, I'd say generally, it, it seems like Golden Nugget has been doing better than Bally's, and they've only been beating resorts. But essentially, the, those three properties are all neck and neck. And, you know, for the longest time, I predicted that, that Bally's is going to be the next casino that close. And I, I think the real metric, if you want to see, if, if you think Bally's is going to open or close is just to look at the CapEx that, that CET puts into the property. And I, I think for a long time, it has been not very much at all. Um, I mean, I think if they do like a big remodel, like totally redo the Bally's tower or, or totally redo the Dennis tower, you know, that'll be a good sign that Bally's probably isn't going to close, but they haven't done that. I mean, certainly they've made Jubilee rooms, but that's, new furniture which they can use anywhere and and cosmetic changes right yeah and it's not even i don't think it's even a huge percentage of the tower like they've done a few floors of jubilee rooms they renovated the casino floor but it was very minimal i mean i think it was less right. than it was only like a, new, a couple million dollars for that renovation it was That's not a, a big renovation slot machines yeah some new chairs some anywhere. new slot machines yeah um i mean they redid that um sixth floor restaurant area that has now, whatever, Guy Fieri Chop House and Buca de Beppo. Um, but again, like those are restaurants that you lease out. Like that's not a huge, huge renovation. It does make I, uh, that sort of idea of that capital expenditures, I think, sort of hammers home. Like this is the property that they lag on because Caesars, they redid all the Forum Tower rooms. Um, and obviously Caesars performs very well. And here is they, they added the conference center. They redid, uh, I think it was the Bayview Tower. Um, so it definitely is, is Bally's getting the less, uh, the, the least of the renovations of any of those properties. Yeah. So I don't know. Be interesting to see what happens. But I mean, for me, I, I'd say as a whole, like if I were the, the CEO, the new CEO of Caesars, I guess he's not even really new at this point, but you know, I would not be happy about how we're doing in the Atlantic city market, which right now looks as a whole to be on the upswing. I mean, I think it look, it's looking pretty good, but Caesars is not doing well in Atlantic city. 
Yeah, I mean, I, so I don't know if we talked about the per specific percentages here, or the not the specific, but the general percentages. You know, casino revenue was up 9.3% over March 2016. Um, in just brick-and-mortar revenue, $12.6 million up, and that includes the Taj Mahal in 2016. So uh, over $200 million total revenue just in the brick-and-mortar casinos. That's up 6.7%. If you take out... Uh, the Taj Mahal, it's actually up 16.9%. Like if you look at only still operating casinos, um, online made over $20 million, uh, actually 21.7, which is the biggest gain or the biggest month that they've had in online. I don't worry too much about online because I'm more concerned about how the brick and mortar is doing because I think that's a bigger indicator of the city as a whole. I think we've talked yep, about that I, previously. I agree. Um, but it is interesting that when you've got gains of, you know, 6.7%, which and uh, and of the remaining operating casinos gains of 16% to see Bally's actually i think down a little bit down 2% uh and then Harris i think uh only up 3.7% like not big gains Caesars had a you know Caesars was up 31.9% so like <laughs> you know they did very well they're at almost at 30 million dollars which we talk about as sort of like the big threshold of like, that's where you're really making serious money, especially off season. Um, it is interesting. I, and I think it's interesting. The Pallies and Harris are kind of lagging or at least stagnant in this way. And I don't know. I don't know what that means. Well, uh, so for Caesars, I mean, you have to remember like in any given month there, the revenues can change quite a lot just based on luck essentially. And Caesars had like a very, very kind of lucky month at, at table games. I mean, they had basically the same revenue from table games and slots, which is essentially unheard of, I think these days in modern casinos, um, just because they had almost a 21% percentage win on the drop, which is huge. It seems yeah, to be that's enormous. closer to like, <laughs> like 12 or 14% at, at most other casinos. So um, I, I think they had a bit of a lucky month and that's probably part of it. And, you know, I don't have the exact breakdown of a year ago, but they, it's possible they had an unlucky month. So I, I wouldn't look too much into that big win when, when it certainly was like not a sustainable month going forward. Right. I mean, so that's certainly the sort of big asterisk over all of this discussion about month over month. Like, yes, it's an indicator of things, but you can't just look at this and say, oh, Bally's is, is doing really terribly. You have to look at over several months and over the course of a year, which we have, you know, Bally's, like you said, has, has lagged behind um, Golden Nugget lately, leaving only resorts behind it. Uh, and it's it's also, I mean, worth noting, though, that resorts and, and Golden Nugget that I think even as recently as last winter were in the, you know, 10 to $12 million range, like that would not have been terribly low numbers for them. And now they're in the 16 to $17 million range. I mean, obviously March is pushing closer to, uh, to the spring, but just good to see them doing well. Um, I guess golden nugget had already sort of turned it around by this mm -hmm. point at last year resorts, I think was really using Taj's big decline to stay out of last place <laughs> at this right. point last year. But, well, I don't know. I mean, in the old days it was like, it was fairly common that there were plenty of casinos under 10 million in, in many months, you know, back in the, the real dark period, the kind of 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014 time period. I mean, I don't know if you remember this, but there were months where the Trump Plaza made like five million. million. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I think right awful. before it closed, I think it was in the $3 million range and it was not rare for them to make five or six. Right. Um, no, that, I mean, five or six is like a normal month for Trump Plaza. In the I mean, off season. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, so like, let me look here. In 2013, the last year it was open, the full year. During the summer months, June 6 million, July oh, 8, <laughs> August 8. That's really bad. September 6. I mean, so. So they're making half as much as the lowest performing casino right now is making in March, in like, July and August. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I but mean, I mean, that was a totally neglected property. That, it's almost that, not even fair to compare it. Um, but, but still like tons of properties were making, you know, 10 million or less, I'd say back then. Yeah. I mean, the nugget was just doing 
not good back then. Resorts was not doing well back then. Atlantic Club, of course, was not doing well back then. The Revel was atrocious. <laughs> so yeah, and it's it's interesting. I mean, if you need the proof as to why Hard Rock is interested and why I mean, more than interested, they're buying and they're doing three hundred seventy-five million dollars renovation. Uh, why they think that's worth it? Clearly, they think that they can slot in somewhere here, probably closer to Caesars and Trap than to Golden Nugget and and resorts so and, and right and, and like like we've i mean the, the data shows that even the worst performing casino now is doing about as well as a, an okay performing casino was doing in 2013 2014 so it certainly seems to be kind of looking up for atlantic city a bit which certainly the closures had had a lot to do with i mean that was certainly a good thing for all the other casinos but it seems like the economic there's beginning to be some economic tailwinds in Atlantic City for for the first time in a while. Yeah, and that's obviously required mentioning. You know, if you lop off the worst performing four casinos, and and for the most part keep a huge percentage of that gambling revenue in Atlantic City, it it goes somewhere, right? It goes to the existing the remaining casinos. So that explains certainly a part of the gain, but uh, probably a big part of the gain. But for Hard Rock, for other people who are interested in coming into Atlantic City, it seems like stabilizing a little bit. And the gain, I mean, the, a month over, a year over year gain in March, I think is, is pretty promising. Although who knows how much that has to do with just random variation versus an actually strong month. But it seems like the months have been generally either stagnant or going up. So it, It's been coming. It's It's certainly been coming back a bit. So I'd say... 2016 was like an okay year and 2017 looks like it's going to be pretty decent hopefully so do we want to talk just since we're since we're on it do we want to talk a bit about the uh the the flights as well sure so uh it sounds like commercial flights to atlantic city are down 13 percent through the first two months of the year so january february which i don't know how much january february really matter but charter flights are up almost 50 percent um, so basically it sounds like there are fewer people coming in on Spirit Airlines, I think is the big airline that services the Atlantic City airport, right? Only commercial carrier, I believe. Right. So, but, um, you would expect on these junkets, on these charter flights, you're going to end up having a kind of bigger players coming in than you would certainly have on Spirit Airlines. So, um... Is this trade a good thing for Atlantic City? I don't know. I mean, I know that a bunch of like Christie, Chris Christie, and I think even um, Meridon Guardian have said they want more air travel. And obviously you want more mm-hmm. air travel. I don't know how much that's putting a sort of a chicken or egg question. Like, do you get more air travel to drum up business or do you drum up business and make Atlantic City better and then you naturally get more air travel? I would tend to think that air travel comes when things are going well. Uh, I mean, obviously the high rollers probably are a big deal because I don't think there's that much air travel through Atlantic city to begin with. So if, if you have to give up a chunk of that to get a bunch more, you know, international people coming and gambling big dollars, I'm guessing most of the casinos are going to make that trade. Uh, I don't know. Do you have a thought on that trade off at all? Obviously we don't really know making the connection of, how many high rollers come in versus how many sort of low rollers leave and how that translates to, to gambling dollars. There's no way that we're ever going to have that data. Like maybe somebody at like high up at Caesars has data, like correlation data on that, but we are just never going to get it. Um, I, I tend to believe that, you know, I agree with the politicians saying that, that more uh, commercial, error to Atlantic city would be a really, really good thing. And I, I know it's something that's been discussed both on the show and throughout the Atlantic city press for a long time, um, trying to get more commercial airlines to fly to Atlantic city or just more flights to Atlantic city and how that'd be good. Uh, I, I tend to think certainly having a lot more of these junkets coming in is, is going to be good for the casinos. Is it going to be good for the rest of the city? Maybe, maybe not. I'd, I'd say that commercial airlines would be, better for the city than these junkets for the most part, but I don't really know. I mean, like you said, we don't have the data behind what different groups of people do, but um, I'd expect this sort of 
people flying spirit air are more apt to to wander around the wander up and down the boardwalk than than maybe some of the people that are flying jungets to to Harrah's or whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, certainly for the growth of the city as a whole, they want more people. Quantity, right. <laughs> not necessarily, you know, a couple of big high rollers. Like that may benefit individual casinos, but you know, for our purposes of wanting to see a flourishing Atlantic City, it's definitely better to have more air travel. And mm. and our friend Andy could probably shine more light on this or at least tell me if I'm being an idiot or not. But I would guess that since there is only the one commercial carrier, that the fluctuations could be as much about Spirit as they are about Atlantic City. I mean, obviously, if there's demand, I would guess Spirit's going to make more flights. But, you know, who knows what the impacts are on, well, they are shifting flights from Atlantic city to elsewhere. Who knows? Like who, who knows what goes on with that? Um, certainly spirit, maybe our friend Andy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I do wonder if those sort of fluctuations, um, it's almost like small sample size theater because you have only the one carrier. So yeah, uh, I'm not even sure. And, and like, who knows how, how airfare in general was the first two months of this year. I mean, domestic airfare is very high right now. So I wonder if that has, has something to do with it also mm-hmm. where like, if you're going to spend $400 to fly, which is not going to be on spirit, right? <laughs> it's not going to be $400, but well, certainly not the way their pricing works. Um, you may end up spending that by the time you check a bag and carry on a bag. But... Correct. <laughs> um, so if you have that option, you know, maybe you're going to go someplace else or maybe you're going to fly international because international flights are not crazy expensive. I think even reasonably cheap, uh, especially compared to with how high domestic is. So, um, that's all me saying this like I know it, but Andy has told me this directly over uh, Google Chats, so I'll give him credit for telling me that information. Like, For instance, he sent me a DC to Hong Kong flight that was like $575 round trip while I was sitting there looking at Vegas flights that were $500 round trip. So that's the kind of insane <laughs> uh, close differences that we're talking about. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if there's much more to say about this because, like, like we said, there's not. I mean, we don't have quite enough data to be able to come to firm consensus. But I think it'd certainly be a good thing if there are more commercial flights coming into Atlantic City. Yeah, but it's interesting that the the revenues up, and then the commercial flights are down. I mean, it's just right. it's a lot of moving parts. And yes, I mean, I imagine the vast majority of people that go to Atlantic City do not. Oh, it's got to be insanely, insanely even even considering people who fly into New York or Philadelphia or whatever. I'd I'd still say that most people live in the area and drive. Absolutely. Yes. So uh, much more so than Vegas, I would think. But anyway, (laughs) so speaking of the boardwalk and people walking up and down it, it sounds like Bill's is not actually permanently closed. Uh, Seems like the hours are highly erratic now, but we've had a couple separate posts in the Facebook group about how uh, Bill's Souvlaki and Hero was in fact open uh, a few days earlier in the month, April 9th and April 14th. Robert and Christy posted that it was open and doing business. So, Yeah, I'm assuming it was open in the interim and it's been open since then i don't know if it's 24 Maybe. hours like it used to be right. uh, or at least it's open on weekends or whatever i think one post was a sunday and one was a saturday or friday friday i guess that would make sense mm-hmm. with those dates um so it's open um premature reporting of bill's death so it's good to see that that is not actually closed and we will keep an eye on it and and see if we get more tweets about and more Facebook posts about bills being closed or open. Um, right. <laughs> because we're getting pretty frequent status updates at this point. And they invite it when they've got the big awning that says never closed. Right. And then they've got the gate down. <laughs> so uh, the reporting is not premature, though. Uh, Dolphin Village is, in fact, closed and dead. Um, this was the uh, this was going to be the water park inside the old Atlantic Club. Uh Basically, it sounds like they could not secure funding to move forward with the projects. So that's it. And it is once again closed with with no plans. Yeah. uh, So they put out a press release. They brought the media on a property tour. Uh, This is R&R development. Mm -hmm. Uh, They seemed like it was moving forward. But as we've seen before, putting out a press release or putting out information to the press 
does not necessarily mean that something is going to happen or is even close to happening. And they fell short of funding. <laughs> I don't know how short, but they couldn't secure the funding. TJM Properties actually owns the Atlantic Club. Uh, they said they have other groups looking to purchase the property. I think it was their marketing person said uh, he was surprised that R&R actually put out a press release <laughs> so prematurely, which I guess that's a good point. Uh, and one of the things that I'll go back to is like it makes me appreciate so much more that Hard Rock's chairman said at their press conference, like, we wanted to wait until this was a done deal and we had stuff to announce so that we could come up here and have a press conference and not have everybody just sitting there waiting, wondering whether or not this thing's actually going to happen, and then you suddenly never hear about it again. So uh, once again, I think this seems to happen to Atlantic City more than other places, although maybe I just follow Atlantic City development more than other places. But it's very frustrating because it's exciting when our beloved Atlantic Club gets some good news only to have it taken away from it again. Yeah, I mean, as listeners of the podcast know, Craig and I certainly both have a soft spot in our heart for Atlantic Club. So we'll continue hoping that something comes back and and takes its place. Yeah, Um, I don't know. I don't know if it'll be a water park. I mean, this is the second attempt at a water park (laughs) that is falling through. I mean, apparently somebody thinks it's a good plan. We've talked about it. I mean, I think that we both think it's a perfectly plausible plan i mean as much as i would love it to come back as a hotel casino i I just don't think that's going to happen i don't think that's in the cards so water park seems as good a plan as any yeah and i think the thing that's disappointing me most about this has nothing to do with water park it was they talked up the design and how they're going to restore it to the steve Wynn vision that it was at one time and now we have to wait and see what's going to happen with it but uh, I'm sure we'll get some other announcement six months from now about somebody who also has a plan to buy it that may or may not come to fruition. But uh, for now, this thing is dead. Right. Well, I mean, you can always go in and pull up a couple hundred dollars and at least maybe you try to open up the uh, Dizzy Dolphin crew. That would be great. Just somebody <laughs> just opens. It would be the most depressing thing ever. But <laughs> <laughs> Just block off the rest of the casino. Just open that one yeah. kind of front corner probably big holes in the bar where the video poker machines used to be <laughs> yeah just leave them though we just put your drink right in there and just fall right. fall straight to the floor fall to the floor yeah it's perfect yeah, it would be awesome so um i believe someone j- asked pretty recently on the facebook group when they're going to start announcing the the concerts for this summer and the answer is just today i think or yesterday um they came out and announced the first concert or the the first announcement of a concert is for Wednesday, July 12th, and Pink is coming to play uh, in Atlantic City. So do you have any thoughts on Pink? Uh, I mean, uh, as far as sort of top 40 music goes, I find her perfectly acceptable. I don't know. I don't really have too much to say beyond that. I mean, my, my, my thought is I've, I've heard of her, so that is good. It's more than I can probably say for many uh kind of current bands, although I guess she's probably not that current, which is probably why I've heard of her. But um, I, she seems like someone who's reasonably popular. It seems like a pretty decent concert to have, I would think. So good on them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks to Ed for, I think, tweeting this at us and maybe mm-hmm. also posting it in the Facebook group. Uh, and and this is the first one announced that there will almost surely be more. Um, and just because it's the first one announced does not mean that July 12th will be the first concert. I would not be surprised if there's a June concert, uh, but who knows? Live Nation will let us know when that happens. So I know something that you are very excited about is Bally's announced they have the world's largest Pac-Man machine in Wild Wild West. Um, am I very excited about it? Uh, are you? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I I saw a picture of it and it looked kind of weird. Like it's a giant screen mounted on the the faux balcony of of where you come in from Bally's into the Wild Wild West and then you walk down or take the escalator down. It's like right there. And then there's just a little terminal with the joysticks. It's bizarre. It's a little weird. I like Pac-Man. Miss Pac-Man is clearly better than Pac-Man. I mean, I don't... That's just... uh, That's a completely objective uh, (laughs) assessment. Um, But I don't... Like, 
I'm glad that it fills the space a little. I don't really think anybody's going out of their way to go to Wild Wild West to play the world's largest Pac-Man. Um, although they probably also thought that uh, the skill-based games from GameCo would be a draw, and that definitely didn't happen. But uh, I should point out, not a gambling game. This is just, it's a buck. You it's go, you Pac-Man. play a game of Pac-Man like you would in a bar, and and that is it. Do you have any interest in playing the world's largest Pac-Man, Kyle? Nope. Yeah, I don't know. For a buck, I feel like that, you know, it's not a lot of money, but I feel like I've got other things. If I, I was like a Pac-Man time. ringer who could beat the game or whatever, maybe. But and, and look like a boss on a giant screen. Yeah. Like, that'd just, be cool. Just hog it for like three hours on your dollar. Yeah. That would be pretty sweet. But unfortunately, I'm not. So Right. I mean, and for a dollar, you're a third of the way to whatever, a course light at, at the mountain bar. So you want to move on? You wrote the kind of next pithy part, so I'll let you take that <laughs> pithy. for full credit. <laughs> so what is not at Wild Wild West anymore <laughs> is Gameco's <laughs> shitty skill-based slots that we were very uh, critical of, I think, justifiably. They have been removed actually from all three Total Rewards properties. So uh, Daryl McEwen, who is Seven Stars Insider, Seven, the number seven, on Twitter, uh posted that they're gone from Harrah's and tweeted saying he was not sure about Bally's and Caesars. Or no, they're gone from Bally's from Wild Wild West. He wasn't sure about Harrah's and Caesars. Not that that matters. And Harrah's responded saying, no, they're gone from all three. Uh, so they seem to be – they're totally gone. That's, so that's the uh, – what were the names of them? Pharaoh's Hidden Temple and – Danger Arena were the two games. It may have been Pharaoh's Secret Temple. I can't remember offhand. They were bad. That's all you need to know. Uh, so, bad. Uh, the Associated Press um, reporter for Atlantic City, Wayne Perry, actually posted in our Facebook group in response to this that uh, a Harris spokesman or spokeswoman, sorry, said that they uh, plan to replace them with new skill-based games. No word if they will be game co or not, but they are not giving up on skill-based gaming. Right. However, our friend and fellow Pygat Tiles enthusiast, ChaunceyB3, on Twitter, let us know that a new GameCo game has made its way to Tropicana. So while it seems that Caesars is kind of uh, divesting from GameCo, Trop is going all in. And so they've added nothing but net uh, to their GameCo skill-based offerings. Yeah, so it, again, looks like the same sort of payout structure. and And I think... My problem with the GameCo games, other than just poor execution, but sort of my problem fundamentally with the GameCo games is that I think this payout structure is not a fun way to gamble. Like this idea where you're gambling a buck and getting zero or 50 cents or a buck back and very, very rarely getting anything more than that. It's not very fun. Like it's not the way slot players gamble and video gamers would rather play a good video game. So... Here's the new one. <laughs> With that being said, looks like it's a, some sort of basketball shooting, uh, like I don't know if it's like a three-point shooting competition type thing, um, but looks very similar in terms of pay tables. Where if you make X number of of points, uh, your multiplier goes up as you go. So and you have to get some minimum threshold to get anything. I don't know if they're invincible baskets or exploding basketballs or something <laughs> to mess you up so that you actually never win anything. But there's probably like the money ball that you shoot and that's the only thing that you care about because that gets you a bonus, like bonus dollars. Any interest in in another game co game? Oh. I've already been fooled by them twice, I feel like I, I've learned my lesson at this point and I will not be partaking. <laughs> no. Not feeling it. No, I mean, how about you? Yeah, I went for the first two, and I felt like I was glad that I at least checked them out to see what they were. I don't know. With this pay table, I don't. I don't really feel a need to to keep trying them out. I don't. I mean, if I see it, I might go and put a few bucks through it. But I'm certainly not going to make the trip just to uh, you know. If I'm staying at Caesars or if I'm staying at resorts, I'm not going to go all the way to Tropicana just for that. If I if I'm there for other reasons, maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Anything else on that? No. If Wild Wild West ends up with five nothing but net machines, that that would be 
very strange and interesting, but I don't think that's the way they're going. <laughs> All right. So, uh, the polar coaster, which I don't know when the last time we talked about the polar coaster was, it was probably like what, like episode three or something. It has been a while. This has been a long time. Uh, you have to go way back in the archive, back when we had like 10 listeners to, for the last time we talked about the Polar Coaster and all of the jokes that come out of it. But uh, for the first time in like a year and a half, we've got a bit more news about it. Uh, they've got a bunch of state funding, and it is going to allegedly be opening in 2019. That is the plan. So this is what the old Sands lot... Uh opening like Bright, brighton park or whatever yeah through a 350 foot high vertical polar coaster so uh, i think actually a little taller than the observation wheel they're building at steel pier presumably good views of the city although i don't know if i'm taking in the view when i'm at the top of a roller coaster that's about to drop down 350 feet uh so they've secured some state funding and i think uh chipping in 38 0.4 million dollars of the 138 million dollar cost so pretty significant portion of that money and it seems like they're on track to open in 2019 although again i'll feel much more confident when they're actually breaking ground and making progress uh we've certainly seen things fall through at this stage and beyond <laughs> certainly um so are you excited about making more polar coaster jokes uh yes sure um <laughs> i'll need to think of some fresher ones than just like do you want to ride the polar coaster but uh the in the interesting thing i keep saying the interesting thing this episode but the thing about this that i think goes beyond just the polar coaster is there are plans to build around it and open things like bars and restaurants that i'm a little i'm always a little skeptical of like everybody always says that their development's going to be the thing that sparks a ton of extra development and, and so I don't know how much of that. That's not to happen. Yeah, so I don't know how much of that $138 million is earmarked for other development around there. And I think I also am wondering how much the polar coaster is a draw that gets people to something. And then they're like, oh, we're at the polar coaster, so let's go get a drink. Like, I would think people are more likely to do the other thing where they're like, I'm at this awesome bar and Oh, Hey, there's that polar coaster. I dare you to go on it <laughs> or conversely go to the polar coaster, pay whatever it costs to go on it once and then walk back to whatever, whatever casino they started at. I don't know if you agree with that or disagree. Uh, it seems like it'd be more of a, it would need to be a bit more of a destination. I don't think you'd kind of go out of your way to go do the polar coaster when you're doing other stuff. But if there's like some bars around and stuff, I think that it makes a bit more sense. Right. Yeah. I think they have to be g decent bars. It can't be like a typical boardwalk sort of like, here's a snack stand uh, Irish a dive pub. bar. Yeah, sure. I'll take Irish pub. <laughs> I mean, it can't be like, uh, like when you go to ocean city, New Jersey and there's like, Ocean City's New Jersey no bars. Is, is great. Well, yeah, there's no bars. Uh, when you <laughs> so stores. how about like Point Pleasant or or whatever? Um, yeah, what was what's the one that was on Jersey Shore? I have no idea. Yeah, man. I'm a, I'm You're asking the wrong person. Terrible New Jerseyan that I don't know this, or maybe I'm a good New Jerseyan that I do don't know this. Um, Seaside Heights. So it, that one is more like you know, it's kind of like it's not really shitty, but it's like a little bit seedy. And there are a bunch of snack stands and everything's got fried Oreos and stuff. And then, you know, really crappy either dive, divey bars, including right on the boardwalk. Like if it's that kind of thing, I don't know if you're going to go out of your way for it. But I think if they make it cool, it could work. All right. So in a bit more kind of maybe relevant news, maybe not more relevant, depending on your viewpoint. But a developer has an application in with the CRDA to open a beer garden on the boardwalk kind of just barely northeast of Tropicana, kind of barely north on the boardwalk, I guess, depending on how you think of it. Uh, at the site of a current parking lot uh, would be called Bungalow Beer Garden. Um, you know, it had kind of like the bad artist renderings that are always in all these things. But <laughs> It's it an incredibly pretty, bad Photoshop. Pr pretty cool to me. Yeah, I like the idea, and I like the placement. I think it would make a lot of sense to have something like that on the boardwalk. I mean, it's a beach. 
go stand out. I mean, in, in the beach bars, I feel like are not the vibe of the beer garden. And like f- for the beach bars, you know, that's more like you're in your swim attire, you're out for a day on the beach, and then you go to the beach bar, or maybe you just go to the beach bar in your swim attire. I'm not a person who likes to spend a lot of time in my swim attire. I don't know about you, but I would much rather like go to a beer garden and sit outside and, and drink some craft beer along the boardwalk. Uh, there is no word if this is related to the bungalow restaurant and lounge or bungalow beach, which are both owned by the same company and are uh, one of them's an, a boardwalk restaurant and hookah bar. One of them is a clubby sort of beach bar with a pool thing. Um, it's a little weird, but it seemed popular last summer. Uh, I'm assuming it's related just based on like how many places are you going to have with the name bungalow? But I tweeted at them and I got nothing in response. So that's the extent of my reporting on this. Um, and I looked up to see if the developer, uh, that was named in this was also, uh, named in anything else that bungalow did. The developer is deck Trinity LLC and I couldn't find anything. So, um, bad reporting on my part. I couldn't find anything out. Um, but hopefully I'm, I'm going to assume for now that they're related. It would be very weird if they were not, but who knows? Maybe they are related and this thing is not going to be named Bungalow Beer Garden <laughs> when, when push comes to shove. But most importantly, much like Dolphin Village, this thing is so, so early in the planning stages. They have, have submitted an application to the CRDA. They need a zoning approval. Who knows what kind of funding they still need to do this thing. So this is like a glint in someone's eye. It is not anywhere close to being done. So don't be looking for this this summer. We will update you as as more comes along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I, I said, I, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's a, a sweet thing if it, if it can happen, especially if one of these summers they allow drinking on the boardwalk. But yeah, uh, that we'll needs have to, to wait and see. I think the location's good. I mean, it's like a block from Trop. It's a block from shafola's kind of right in between so pretty yeah and, cool yeah and right now that walk from caesar's to trough is pretty feels, feels long. desolate yeah. yeah i mean there's stuff there's shops and stuff but there's not really there's the empty husk of the trump plaza and the mostly empty <laughs> husk of boardwalk hall yes correct with the little like do ac shop in boardwalk hall yeah that's like 60 square feet you can go right. get a, a six dollar. Go get t-shirt. a free ma- magnet. Yeah, yeah. Go get your free magnet, everybody. You need to be advertising AC constantly. Uh, yes. Except I say that, but mine's on my refrigerator, not on my car. Uh, anything else about beer gardens? No, yeah, sh- I think it sounds cool. It. Hope, hopefully, it happens. So, yeah. I think in the most, well, it, it, in the least relevant probably piece of news that we have is Glenn Straub <laughs> is still talking about opening up on June 15th um, when nothing that we've heard or seen makes it seem like that can really happen, but he's still talking about it. Like it's a thing that certainly can happen or will happen. Um, meanwhile, Chris Christie, the new mayor of Atlantic city has uh, <laughs> said that he hopes that Glenn Straub sells the property because he has done nothing with it. And I mean, it's something similar to what, you know, Don guardian said this like eight months ago or whatever, kind of immediately after he bought the power companies is like, I hope Glenn Straub sells. He can make a nice profit. You know, he's earned it. That in itself is kind of doing the city a favor, but people have not been optimistic about his ability to deliver an actual property to the city. And thus far, he has not. Yeah. Uh, so when this news came out um, about June fifteenth, and so so before you get started too much, what what was our bet? June one or July one? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I think <laughs> right. <it> was... <laughs> I'm certain I'm losing either way. But I was like, yeah, this is good. I think I, I have July one, and then I thought about it more. I'm like, I think I might have said June one. I, th- I think you had June one. But then I'm like, I can't have said that. I'm not that yeah. much of an idiot, am I? But I'm pretty sure that that's what I said. No, it's definitely June one because I think uh, I was then kicking around Fourth of July, <laughs> uh, which was it's not like we would have said three days apart. But uh, no, I mean. When I first saw this Nicholas Huba article go up on the Press of Atlantic City, I thought, like, is he tweeting out a year-old article? Because this June 15th was a date that 
Glenn Straub mentioned last year, and that was and there was a lot of talk about it, right? There was a, everybody's like he said June fifteenth. This is the first sort of real date that he's mentioned, and and he seemed to be sort of pushing forward like it was actually going to happen, and then the date came and went, and it was pretty clear like oh he needs permits, and this is clearly not going to happen, and he doesn't have a reservation system up, and and I think even up to a couple days beforehand, he was still saying like we're going to take walk up patrons. Not people who have not made reservations because there's no reservation system. Uh, so there's none of that this time. It's just like at this point, a year later, we've all heard the dates and we're kind of like, oh, Glenn Schraub saying stuff again. Um, so don't, you know, circle this date on your calendar or anything because I think it's probably not going to happen. Uh, and I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on Chris Christie saying he should sell it? I mean, I don't know what there is really to say. Like, yeah, that's There's, a valid opinion. There are no thoughts. I mean, <laughs> I think if nothing else has been made clear over the last year and a half or however long it's been, is Glenn Straub is going to do what Glenn Straub wants to do. So Chris Christie saying that is not going to mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I mean, I understand the frustration, which is that, yes, Glenn Straub is frustrated with the process. That is understandable. The process right. is very, you know, it's built in a way that's very frustrating, but he seems to continually want to do things in a way that makes no sense from trying to take power from the showboat to trying to bring, bring in big generator trucks uh, to, you know, having these giant inflatable sewer plugs in, in the building up until very close to when he claimed he was going to be opening it. (laughs) Like all these things, like, it seems like he just sort of talks and maybe doesn't actually or thinks that things are going to work. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows I, what goes through said. But. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I, I think that a lot of what he does. So I, I will certainly admit plenty of stuff that he does does not make kind of rational sense when you think about it. But I think a lot of what he does is just something kind of to be used as a bargaining chip to try to strike the best possible deal for himself that he can make. And it has certainly already worked out once when he ended up buying the power company for what's perceived to be a very good price after buying Revel for what was perceived to be a a very good price. Um, And I do certainly believe if he wanted to sell the Revel and the power company right now, he could make a pretty hefty profit off of it because he spent 82 and 25. So what, like, $117 million or whatever. $107 million. Good math. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's an idiot. I just think that his, when you look at the specifics of the way he does things, they are many, there are many head scratching sort of things like not getting inspections done or all the sort of crazy ways that he tried to get power to the building when it was, when he was trying to have that standoff with the power company. But I don't know. Maybe just all those things are negotiating tactics and we are the idiots. Mm. Certainly possible. All right. So um, I guess kind of the last piece of business before we close out is I was just wondering from you, do you have any kind of more thoughts on our our interview last week and what you think about what's going down at the showboat? Because I I think my view has changed very slightly after listening to the episode. The more I think about it, the more the idea comes into focus or – like I understand the idea more in my head of sort of this like geek summer camp, because if you are somebody who's into Dungeons and Dragons or video games or comic culture, that kind of thing, the idea like at a con, you go to a con and you're hanging out for the day and you get whatever people you want to sign the autographs and then you go home and maybe you even come back the next day. This is something where you go to the event and then afterwards you Anybody you've met who's cool or your group of people who you like, you go to the bar and then you're in the same hotel and it's like, let's all wake up and meet at wherever for coffee and to to play Dungeons & Dragons. So that kind of congealed, I guess, if you will, in my head. It like formed formed in my head the more I thought about it. And the other takeaway that I had is that twice he he mentioned um, people wanting to come and, and to roll dice. And I thought that – or throw dice. I can't remember what she said. And I thought that it was very funny because obviously – Right. That means something very different to him than to our listeners. And I think they need to figure out a way to work that into marketing about <laughs> coming to the boardwalk to throw some dice. 
that, that would be pretty great. So, yeah, it's one of the weird things, and I've said it on the Facebook group before, that while you're doing an episode, and especially when you're interviewing something, it's a hard thing to do, at least for someone like me who, like, I really need to kind of concentrate on what I'm going to say to be able to get it out in something like somewhat understandable English. So it's hard for me to really like listen to what the other person's saying at the same time as kind of thinking of questions and stuff like that. So going back and listening to the episode, I, what he said makes a bit more sense to me now in that, you know, my, my thought still, like, even though he said multiple times during the episode, like, we don't want to be a con, we don't want to be a con. I think I still was thinking the whole time, like, this is going to be, like, he wants to make this, like, a different con every weekend, which, I mean, he was pretty clear about. That's not really their intent. It's more of, like, a a hangout or a big local game store every weekend or a big, almost like a shopping mall, whatever, where there's a few stores set up that you can go to and, you know, choose your activity or whatever that you want to do there with some sort of cover charge and so to me it, it it does make a bit more sense where i mean i think when i was what i was thinking of when we were talking to him or especially before we were talking to him is that you know this is either going to be a strikeout or a home run to use kind of the baseball terms you know this was going to be something where if it's going to be a con every weekend like if it worked it would be like super hugely successful but like the overwhelming odds were going to be that it didn't work at all but instead this seems like kind of like a reasonably sensible approach to this whole thing and it, it seems like more like they're they're going for a single or a double instead of swinging for the fences here and, and i think it does make a bit more sense i mean i don't know if the ev of the proposition changes at all but it certainly makes it seem a lot more likely to me that it ends up working out i mean like a inferred with what I just said, you know, if it does work out, it might not be nearly as profitable for them or what good as nearly as, you know, quote unquote good for the city as if it just was them trying to hold 14 cons and being successful. But, you know, it's a more reasoned approach to the problem, I think. So there are definitely a couple of things as I listen back that I didn't pick up on so much when he was talking, like the idea that he wants local artists or his you know, going to give the opportunity if, if the opportunity comes up for local artists to come in and have sort of part of the redesign, which when I left the interview, I thought that he didn't talk too much about the renovation, but in reality, he sort of gave pretty clear hints that they want to change the look and feel of the showboat. And it may not happen by Memorial Day, and maybe it won't even happen by Labor Day, but but in the long run, it's going to be this like geek themed property and that's what's going to draw people there so uh i think it's a good idea they've started inviting um ideas from people via twitter via forum on their website they uh the one guy he mentioned who runs gamers heaven um in pennsylvania he posted a, a video today of them setting up a model um or at least sort of a mock-up of their uh, sort of a little theater with a bunch of nice uh, sort of lazy boy type seats, reclining seats with cup holders and everything where they're going to hopefully show movies, anime marathons, like other type of stuff to get people interested. So it seems to me like it could come together in something very, into something very cool if they can get the success and the momentum to make it happen. Right. So I, I think I'm a bit more optimistic about it than I was on that episode. Uh, just because, like I said, I, I think they're going more for a single where there will be a higher likelihood of success. And, and I, I, you know, as I was very clear about during the episode, I, I do hope that they succeed because I think it could be pretty cool and it could be a, a big deal for, for the city. So because um, we did get some feedback from a friend of the show that we were not very fair during the interview, which I don't know if I totally agree with. but Maybe not necessarily um, fair, but that we... <laughs> grilled him a little bit but uh, i mean but it, but it was an interesting you know point where whereas some other people kind of in the facebook group said that 
they kind of appreciated our perspective. But yeah, I mean, I also I don't think we have anything to apologize for with how no, we no, interviewed no. him at all. Um, but to his credit, I thought he was very good with his answers. He did mm-hmm. not. He was never taken aback. I don't think by the the line of questioning or anything. He said before the interview, like, "Don't worry about throwing me any softballs." So. Um, he he was yeah. awesome. I th- I think he did a he did a great job, and he was super upfront about everything. Like, I, I think I mentioned it last episode. I was impressed at how little kind of marketing bullshit there was during it. I, I really do appreciate the job he did. I, I thought it was very very good. Yeah, and like you said, we're rooting for them like crazy. I mean, this is definitely something. Like, I want to go. I want to go and experience it and have it be awesome. So I really want it to be good, and I want it to succeed. All right, cool. Anything else? No, I think that's it. You said this was going to be like a 90-minute episode, man. I think we did pretty good. Yeah, I think we're in the like hour 5, hour 10 range, but... Sweet. We do end every episode by talking about how long the episode is, I would like to say. <laughs> so that's like a tradition now. I don't know if people are like, oh, God, why are you so obsessed with this? But... <laughs> so that's what we think about, man. Okay. All right. So anyway, uh, thank you guys very much for listening and following along. If you're not already part of the Facebook group, you should definitely join it. Facebook.com slash group slash do for a win. Uh, you can find our content at do for a win.com. Uh, you can listen to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and YouTube, at least the last couple times. Uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter at do for a win or send questions to do for win at gmail.com. Any last words, Craig? No. Uh, although when you say any last words, it does sound like you're about to off me. So I don't know if that's, um, I haven't yet, but that doesn't <laughs> no, mean it no. won't happen in the future. Yeah. If I keep rambling at some point, you're just going to end it. <laughs> Drive up. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll still be talking. You'll still the, be talking. You won't the, even have noticed. Gone for... three, three and a half hour absence. Um, <laughs> No, just good luck if you're headed to Atlantic City. Uh, what are we into May almost, which seems insane. So very soon you'll be getting your summer pricing as the mm-hmm. prices go insane. I've lost even my Monday through Thursday comps at resorts, so I'll oh, never really? get I'll never get a comp room again, Kyle. That's it for I me. Still, I think I still have Sunday through Friday. Yeah, so go get your diamond status, and I can leech off you some more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so hopefully Craig and I will be making it to Atlantic City sometime soonish. Um, just so you all know, there was a lot of talk of us maybe going to Vegas kind of sometime in the next month and a half, but it seems less and less likely every day that's going to happen. So we'll 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 definitely try to make it up to Atlantic City sometime end of May or early June. Yeah, sounds good. We need AC. Right. We need an AC trip. We we definitely need an AC trip. So uh, we will probably talk to you guys. Uh, Maybe not next week, but probably the week after. And and thank you very much for listening and talk to you in a couple weeks. So at one point I clicked on the Press of AC article about the polar coaster. It's blaring you with the video. If I got like really loud and yelling, it's because the polar coaster video was so freaking loud in my ear that I was like, I can't hear if I'm screaming or what. (laughs) I mean, I know it doesn't come through the mic. I mean, it might like it might have been so loud through my headphones that it even picked it up.